I've been given the brief of talking about uh, fueling the spiritual life of other leaders, which sounds a bit... Uh, it's a lofty goal, etc. Let me talk to you about uh, trying to do good to other, uh, to other leaders and so on. Uh, I've taken from the... I guess I'm thinking from the idea of actually speaking to your peers who are in some kind of uh, Christian leadership and then the older and younger uh, supporting and mentoring and so on, I haven't uh, addressed the idea of leading your own team of people. Um, so no, I think I've got like nine minutes or something, haven't I, Scott? So I've it's probably... Okay. All right, so let's, let's put it... Here's a few random thoughts on trying to be of use to other Christian leaders. There you go, that might be a better way to put it. Okay. Uh, Cole Marshall who's around, who wrote the book uh, The Trellis and the Vine and has been teaching me things about ministry for like 30 years. Cole's got me, got me thinking, he, he distinguishes between being a mentor and being a coach. So the mentor is someone who takes an interest in the whole, uh, the whole of someone's life and all their relationships and how they're going, uh, their walk with the Lord and say if they're married or family. And ch- there's mentoring. And then coaching is more skills-based, that you're working with someone and you're working on them coaching, like getting them to be you know, a better preacher or a better organiser of time or a better discipler or, or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm still trying to think through and understand that. Uh, so I may talk a little bit about coaching here but, uh, and mentoring. Anyway, you want, to, you want to pour yourself into the life of other leaders. One of the first things I reckon, if you're meeting with your peers or if you're an older person meeting with someone younger, and I would encourage you to do that. If uh, um, ladies to meet with a younger woman, men to meet with a younger man, uh, just to care for them and so on in leadership. The first thing I think is is listening. And sometimes what they need to do is just to have a rant and uh, be able to unwind and... Uh, most of the time just sit and nod and let them get it off their chest or tell you what's going on and, and so on. Um, and just the idea of them feeling that they're not alone. Ecclesiastes 4, I've got the quotes there about that idea of just um, two together are strong and you can help one another up uh, and so on. And one of the most important things is to listen before you give advice. So Proverbs eighteen thirteen: he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. So the quickest way, if you like, to destroy your credibility is to answer before you've listened. Um, next one, I think, if, you, if you're talking to people, part of listening, in a way, is just asking questions. And one of the things I'll try and do as, I, as I'll talk with people, peers or whatever, is to, is to ask how the key relationships in their life are. So if they're married, how's their marriage? How are things going with ministry? If they've got kids, it's worth trying to understand how they're going as a parent and so on. Uh, it's worth uh, trying to understand how people are going with, uh, with their health, uh, etc. Um, when it comes to coaching, one of the biggest things I talk about with young guys is uh, their use of time. And I mentioned that earlier on, and it's what do you do with those other 164 hours a week? Um, and there's kind of grumpy old man things like where you say to the young guys who've just come out of four years of Bible college where they've been almost nocturnal and studied all night and stayed up to a crazy hour and say to them, if you want people in your church to treat you like a growing up, you've got to start keeping growing up hours. 
That means being awake before 7 a.m. That kind, you know, that, that sort of grumpy old man stuff. Anyway, um, uh, but what do you do with your time and so on? So asking questions. I think the next, in terms of encouraging other leaders, one of the best things you do is actually be deliberate and positive about things that you say. So to tell people, um, I think you're doing a good job, well done. Andrew Hurd, I mentioned, who has the church, is 100 times the size of the group I've got rang me the other day to tell me he thought I was doing a good job. And I'm kind of fishing for the reason why he'd actually rung. <laughs> yeah, Hurdy, why did you... Matt, I just want to tell you you're doing a good job. And Ted mentioned a couple of things. Yeah. And that was it. That's why he'd rung. And I thought, oh, how good is that? Like, here's a guy with a giant church and his staff team is bigger than my group and um, <laughs> he took the time out to ring. I thought, hey, that's great. Okay. So there's the end. I'm, I'm thankful to God for what you're doing um, there is one that you've got to use sparingly, cheer up, we'll soon be dead. Um, that's, that's true, but you've got to be careful how you use that uh, to celebrate success. I just think often just a word of encouragement can really, um, you know, like Proverbs say, you know, our tongue is the power of life and death. But the next one, longer term, I reckon it's worth trying to work with people, I don't know whether it's your peers or people who are younger, and try and get people, as I said, to understand their gifting and work towards longer term, getting them to be able to work in the right role. Now, is R-O-L-E, is that role, job? I, I always get... Always, uh, does anybody know R-O-L-E? Is that the right role yes. as in job description? Thank you. I never know. Uh, okay, right. As you tell, I probably shouldn't be teaching English. Uh, the right role of job description, because if you get people into where God has gifted them, from, like that's where they work, they will enjoy the work, it will energise them, they'll work, if you like, they'll go with the flow, rather than um, if you're working outside your area of giftedness, it's just plain hard work. And you may need, if you're encouraging other leaders and so on, I think sometimes at appropriate time, you might need to say, look, you need to move to a different kind of ministry or do a different kind of work. You've got to try and work in your area of giftedness. Um, there's also the idea, I think, of people particularly need you when they're in conflict uh, or hardships and so on. Um, and, and one of the things I think I've, I've had to do over the years is, uh, uh, if you like, protect the young ones from where they're going to get damaged. And so a number of times I've actually advised young people to not go to a particular job in ministry because they will just get damaged there. And I think as you get older, it's almost it's beholden on you just to try and look after the young ones. And I've seen sometimes denominations sacrifice young people to fill positions when you know they're just going to get damaged. And we, I just think you've got to go into bat for the young ones sometimes. Uh, I... Yeah, I get a bit fired up about it. I think sometimes we we feed people to the wolves. Um, and I've also kind of helped sometimes with just getting people out of there. Like that, as I said to that man, you don't have to die at your post. Um, you know, they, you, you need an extraction team for someone. Uh, you know, the helicopter's coming, you know, they're kind of... All right. Um, and it's a mixture, really, in a way, with, with people in difficulties. That would probably solve some of the problems. In yeah, that's right, probably would, actually, that send in the SEAL team. Um, there's a mixture of, you want to be able to say to people sometimes, you don't have to die at this post. And other times you've got to say, look, dry your eyes, princess, hard enough. You know, that's kind of, 
But it's knowing which one to say when. That's the... All right. Um, but I reckon what you're doing, and he's got two minutes left, you're wanting to, as you to encourage and help and fuel the life of other leaders, you're wanting to apply the gospel in a way that's not cliched. So what are you doing? When someone's uh, in conflict or they're wondering about it, is what they're doing really working or they're feeling... What do, you, what do you need to do? Well, you need to talk to them about living with an audience of one. Right? That, that's applying the gospel. And what's the significance? You don't have to win God's favour. God already loves you and cares for you. What you're doing is serving him in gratitude. Okay? Um, we stand on the basis, you know, before God and grace, not works. Or it might be, look, you've got to expect conflict. It actually means that you're doing your job, that, that kind of thing. Um, uh, someone's feeling discouraged, look, are you doing your best you can? Yes, well, the results are up to Jesus. It's, it's applying the gospel um, in a way that's not cliched. Uh, and sometimes, as you meet with uh, other leaders and so on, if they are going through a hard time, um, you may not know what to say. But, uh, but that's all right. Uh, I've heard Tim Keller say, was it... Uh, people want to know that you care before they care what you know. So what are those things I've... I've uh, so let me give a quick summary again. Um, to listen, ask questions about the key relationships, what, how, the, how the, relations, the key relationships in their life, are they functioning uh, well and so on. Uh, the words of encouragement... Particularly, work with them at trying to get them to understand their gifts and how God's gifted them, and can they get into a position where they're using those gifts. Um, keep the perspective on conflict and hardship, and that sometimes you need to harden up, and sometimes you need to walk away, and so on. Apply the gospel without cliches, uh, and sometimes you won't know what to say, but the fact that you care uh, is very significant, and number eight's probably the most important, and that is to pray for them and with them. I think that's... Uh, uh, let them have a rant by all means, but at the end of it, they need to pray together. All right, that's... Uh, I've got one minute over time. We've got time for questions, comments, thoughts? What do they think they're like, the number, number one guy, whatever you said, the first chair, mm-hmm. and that's the way that person, perhaps because that's what they inherited while they were... Bible college, which mm. this is what you're being trained yeah. for, and and then you maybe think they don't, and and there's pushback at that point. How do you kind of? Yeah, that's um, that's hard, isn't it? When you've got someone who thinks they've got the gift of leadership, uh, and actually it seems like they don't. Uh, yeah, as they say, he who leads with no one following is just taking a walk. So, um, long-term recipe for pain. Margaret was talking to me about different styles of leadership that you can... um, uh, It's not the big out-the-front person with all the charisma is necessarily a good leader. Someone who can mobilise other people and give them opportunity and the freedom to do that and create a platform. I figure you find the smartest people you can and then get out of their way. Uh, You know, let them... And I spend most of the time with Geneva working for Scott. Scott tells me what to do, where to go, what to speak on. He's smarter than me. I just do what I'm told. Uh, that's, that's true. Okay. Um, yeah, so what do you do, Mikey? I think longer term... You've got to just ignore Scott, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, think what, I think what you've got to do is... Uh, 
You've got to keep pushing people. I think in the past, a lot of our denominations have only had, <coughs> had like a one-size-fits-all. You want to go into ministry. Like 27 years ago or something, I put my hand up for ministry. I just expected what happens. Well, you, you go to Bible college, you get on the conveyor belt, you come out with a, with a dog collar on and they send you out and you be the rector and that's, that's what you do. Well, now there's a hundred different options in ministry, which is a great thing. It really has changed in those three decades. So how do you how do you do that? Um, and there are some guys that need to swallow a bit of humble pie, and it it shouldn't have to be humble pie though. Um, and go and work, you know, in a team and and so on. Yeah. Uh, mm. I think one of the things that um, yeah, Paul in Romans in Romans twelve three says, "Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought." Yes, which takes care of the people who are in the wrong place, but they think they're in the right place. But then he goes on to say, "But think of yourself with sober judgment." Yes. Which I think comes back to the other side of the coin, where people who don't think that they are, they are mm. good enough for the task. So it's a sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. So there's that thing. Mm. Okay, smarty pants. No, no, no. Don't think of yourself. You're not that good. Uh, and then for the other one, yeah. You, you ought to think of yourself as sober because God is using it. Yes, yes. We had two good comments. That, can you, that's right, hold on. Yes, sorry? Could you? The verse finishes up in proportion to the faith that God has given you. Yes, yes, that's right. And, and to get wise feedback to help us to be more self-aware is a very good thing. Romans 12, yep. And said that it doesn't have to be in the leadership role. Exactly, exactly. It's not, yes, that's right. You don't have to be in the leadership role. Um, you just work out how God's gifted you. We're all part of the body of Christ uh, and so on. Yep. Can you, can you give us some uh, advice on, on days off and how to have days off? Particularly, uh, so maybe you've got to think back. Uh, you're a single bloke. You're married without kids. You're married with kids. Uh, days off, yes. I got ma- a single bloke. That's a wa- I got married at 22 and didn't go into ministry till later. Um, days off, yep. You need to. I probably haven't done a great job with this lately. It kind of gets well. One of the, each time you move to a new role or a new kind of job, I reckon it takes you at least a year to begin to work out how you're doing that and how to use your time and so on. Uh, but you need to have a day off each. I think God, God's commanded that and built it into creation. The job of Jesus is already taken, so you can have a day off. And then you've got to understand yourself and your position, your, your kind of family as, as well. For me, a day off needs to be as few other people as possible, maybe just Kathy and the kids, because I'm, I'm an introvert. Time with people, I like it, but it exhausts me, so I need a day off, just, just me. Um, and Kathy pretty much. There's other people who'll be energised by spending time with lots of friends and you, you organise a day around what um, recharges your batteries, I think. And then also it should be a day, depending if you're married and if family life and so on, you've got to take that into consideration. It should be a time when you're time with family uh, and so on. Do you want to add to that? What, did I, what more would I... I've, just, I've heard you say take your day off on Saturday um, as your kids get old because... Oh, okay, yeah, well, with kids, yeah, I, I, for years I took Saturday as a day off because that's when they were around and available and I'd 
drive them to sport and do all that, that kind of stuff. Uh, before or after that kind of age, you take, just take your day off on the day that, that works for you, I think. Um, that's uh, our little group now, our fellowship group, meets on a Sunday afternoon at four. So if you like, church for me now is at four on a Sunday afternoon and goes through into the night. I'm still trying to work out what to do on a Sunday morning. At the moment, I've been preparing the message that I give, the Bible talk that I give on Sunday afternoon, but I'm realising Sunday morning... Just stop that with you. Holidays, time with spouse if you're married. I haven't been doing that well lately. Day off holidays, time with spouse, it should be kind of the first things that go into your diary, and then the rest... Of, all the rest of your time will be taken up, kind of, with, with ministry. Okay, that's... Other thoughts? I just didn't want to say... Uh, you, yeah. 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 Uh, I found the problem um, that the church that people have today is not, not sin, but our ignorance of how our life is to be lived. We, we are going to be tested. I mean, Jesus was tested right to the very end, and we need to expect it to be tested. And that's when most church people crack up, sort of thing, you know. Um, as I say, uh, well, what, what you've said today has been a great help, I'm sure, for lots of the younger ones, particularly the old ones, you know, yeah. uh, and it's balanced. And, um, what sort of testing do you mean? You mean testing in their like, in their you trust with your life, yeah, um, with your operation with your cancer, yeah. you know. We're, we're, we're not immune to these God does love us, yes. Yeah. But you know, we 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 have to go through those testings to yep. learn the experience to help others in that testing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. that's that's Hebrews twelve about God disciplines those he loves. And one Peter about our suffering refines faith. Now, the reason Ross got through that operation and the melanoma thing is, he's had years and years and years of understanding the gospel and the right, understanding that, and then that's there when the hard time arrives. When the hard time arrives, it's too late to do that other thing. So, uh, it's like Mike Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until they get hit. Well, you get hit, you need to have done the work beforehand. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Oh, thanks. That's okay. Yes, sir. I was just wondering <clears throat> uh, the the thing about the sheep bite and uh, the that thing at the end there about avoid such people. I, re- I remember hearing my minister when we were in Geelong talking about something called studied neglect, and he would, which is basically the same thing. And I remember first hearing it, it's awful. You know, we're called to be God's loving people, and, and actually, there's real truth and importance in that. I was just wondering if, if, whether, from your experience, or you can just unpack that a little bit more for us, just in terms of practical terms. Avoid such people is kind of hard, and yet it's what's in the text. Yeah, I just well, I, I think he's... Way? Yeah, uh, avoid such people as uh, two Tim, uh, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 3? 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. Yeah, I think he's saying there are some people who just clearly the Spirit of God is not at work in their lives, and um, uh, he's saying that there will be some people that you shouldn't put time into. They mm. will just be... Um, aggressive and antisocial and and so on. Now, in the kindness of God, I haven't had to work in churches too much where there have been people like that. 
Um, but he's saying that you will find yeah. that yeah. kind of people. But also yeah. too, don't you, you have to be so careful if you're working in an area and you're being praised, that too, uh, you know, can be empty praise as well. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So praise is, uh, yeah, be careful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Proverbs, I might have to double it the wounds of a friend are true, and an enemy multiplies kisses. So, yeah, exactly. That's true. Avoid such people. Yeah, there comes a time. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, to be a good uh, pastor, you need one blind eye and one deaf ear. <laughs> I, don't, I think he meant more ignore people who... You know, there's always... From what I can see, in every ministry... And every every pastor's is that there's always a level of static of people complaining and a bit of whinging and there'll be some but you know the hymns are too slow and the hymns are too fast or the music's too loud or the music's not you know there's always a and there's a sense in which if you listen to all of that it'll drive you crazy there's a, a little bit of a deaf ear and a, and a blind eye there's some things just better for you not to see yeah, I I think Paul means something more than that though there are some people that are so toxic don't Pour your life out for them. Sure. Now, what that looks like when yes, yes, yep, well, love them, uh, pray for them. Yes. It's hard to work out what that looks like in church life. If you like, you know, kind of if you and there's an yeah. appearance of godliness too. So it's not like these are people with a big flashing light over their head saying, "Avoid this person." Uh, true. Ben, yeah, yeah, Ben. Oh, yeah, yep. said, um, why is your unbelieving church member more deserving of your time than your unbelieving neighbour? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. There's, and there are some people that have heard the gospel again and again and again and again, and there's others who've never heard it clearly. So, yeah, that's right. Well, um, I, I went to a Peace Rice conference last year, and they're coming around this time, and they're quite amazing Peace wise, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little? I've heard of them, but I don't know much about them. Well, I think it came Sunday, he was, he was a believer um, man anyway, and he was constantly amazed at the number of people in churches who took their conflicts to court, which he clearly told not to. Mm. And he went through a, a set of sort of way of doing it, and he calls them the four G's really. Does what you're doing, give glory to God, get the speck out of your own eye first. Um, go, and then, I forget this one, and the last one is go and be reconciled. But oh, gently, gently hmm. go and talk to them. Hmm. And he yep. said, These are principles which we all need to learn really, to how we love each other. Yep, yep, and that's good. Conferences are on at the moment, all through many other major cities in Australia. Yep, they're all biblical really principles. Yeah, uh, in terms of the conflict and so on, I 1985, I started Bible College and I worked for a man called Jim Ramsey, who's a great man. He's retired. Well, you can't tell that Jim's retired. I think he's officially retired, but you never know. Um, Jim, uh, Jim taught me this. Uh, in terms of church life, love everybody, reject no one, and go with the goers. Okay? Love everyone, reject no one, and go with the goers. And that is those people who want to come with you, who want to understand the Bible, who want to love Jesus, and who want to do ministry. So go with them. Um, don't reject any. You, you see the, the yes. point? That's what I think. Look around for 
where's God's spirit at work? Let's go. Um, uh, don't actively reject people. Yeah.